Welcome to the Beyond Sunday podcast, where we bring Sunday home. Join us as we dive deeper into First Baptist's weekly sermons, discuss practical applications, and answer your questions. Hello and welcome to the Beyond Sunday podcast. I'm Jordan Upton, and with me as always is Pastor Jeff Reynolds. Jeff, how are you doing today? Jordan, I'm doing great. The days are getting longer, which is always great for me and my family. Um, I love to be outdoors, and so uh, the the longer I can do that in the daylight, I appreciate, and so doing well. How about you guys? We're doing really well. Yeah. Good. And I, I have an important question for you. Yes. Okay. So we, we talk about books a lot. Yeah. But I wanted to know, where do you buy books? Oh, man. I'm going to tell you, I lamented the loss of the Lifeway store at Greenwood Mall in Mm -hmm. Bowling Green, Kentucky. I lamented the closing of the brick-and-mortar Lifeway stores because I used to go in and just browse, Mm -hmm. and I might have spent a little too much money on books because I would see something that caught my attention. Um, I'll tell you what I do now is I I buy books from Mm christianbook.com. Phenomenal site. Almost everything is discounted. Um, and they ship very quickly. I've been purchasing stuff from christianbook.com really for the last probably 15 years. Um, Just a great site, and and you can get pretty much anything you want. Now, I will say this, christianbook.com does publish some Christian books, or not publish, but does sell some Christian books that I wouldn't recommend. So be careful about that. You know, the thing with Lifeway was you could pretty well say that if it was being sold by Lifeway, you could trust it. Um, and that's not necessarily the case with christianbook.com, but if you know what you're looking for uh, and you know authors that you trust and things of that nature, it's a great place to buy Christian books. Nice. Yeah, I was going to bring up Half Price Books. Do you shop at Half yes, Price Books? Yes, I have. I've, yeah, I yeah, have, yeah, and yeah. I have found some gems. Now, you got to go looking. Yeah. It's kind of like TJ Maxx. Um, you got to go looking for stuff. Um, but even when I was writing my dissertation, there were a couple of sources that I was able to find at Half Price Books where people didn't realize the, the gem that they had, and then they got rid of it, and I was able to grab it for a very cheap price. So, yes, Half Price Books is wonderful. And there's another Christian bookstore here in town. It is on Lover's Lane. It is called One Stone Biblical Resources. And I'm going to tell you, um, it is a wonderful little location. It's not very big. Um, and and I think that it is owned by um, some members of the Churches of Christ. Um, and so you, you can find some specific Church of Christ um, materials there. But they also have a, a phenomenal selection of Bibles and uh, some other materials that you might be able to find helpful. So if you need a Bible and you don't want to order it online, um, go over to One Stone Christian Resources and you can pick one up there. Nice, nice. I just like asking nerdy questions like that every once in a while just to... Hey, man, yeah. we're, we are a community yeah. of nerds. Yeah. I'll, I'll say that. At least me and you, right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I don't know if any of our listeners are, but yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll take that moniker any day. <laughs> okay, so today's a, a big one. We're talking about Cornelius and Acts 10. Uh, Acts 10 is a long chapter, so listeners, you'll, you'll really want to read through that and, and listen to Jeff's sermon to get a pretty good grasp on what's going on. But I did re- want to read part of Acts 10 today. So I'm reading verses 44 through 47. While Peter was still saying these things to Cornelius and his relatives and close friends, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word, and the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed 
because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? I mean, okay, Jeff, today we take it for granted that Gentiles can be saved in Christ's name, but that was not the case at this point in Acts. Can you explain the theological significance and and shift that happened because Cornelius and his family received the Holy Spirit? It's huge. It is remarkable. Um, and to understand kind of how huge it is, you can go back just before this text and read about the vision that Peter had when God brought down the sheet with all the unclean animals. And God says to Peter, arise, Peter, kill and eat. And, and Peter's response, by no means, Lord, you know, which I, one of these days I'm going to preach a sermon entitled, by no means, Lord, and just the, <laughs> the whole sermon's going to be, you keep telling God, no, how's that going for you? You know, yeah. um, but Peter I don't know if he perceived this to be a test from the Lord, but but he says, no, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna kill and eat off of this sheet of animals that are forbidden. Um, the dietary code will not allow me to eat these. I am dishonoring to you, or I'm dishonoring you if I eat these. And and God says to him, Do not call anything unclean that I have made clean. And what is God saying? He is saying that I through Christ am making clean. Even those Gentiles who will repent of sin and place their faith in Jesus Christ. And so the magnitude of Cornelius and his household being saved is kind of given to us in the magnitude of the fact that God is telling Peter, eat these unclean foods. So, you know... I mean, today, listeners, you may enjoy catfish, you may enjoy uh, crawfish, you, you know, you may enjoy lobster, you may enjoy oysters, you may enjoy all sorts of things that, I mean, bacon, I mean, come on, pork, um, all of these things were unclean to the people of Israel. And, and part of what God was doing was, number one, recognizing that God is a genius. God is the smartest entity ever to have lived. Um, and God knows that that there are certain pathogens that are specific to these foods that, that aren't going to be great as you're wandering around in the desert for 40 years or as you're seeking to establish a kingdom. Um, but also, this was part of God setting apart his people unto himself, saying, you will be distinct even in the things that you eat. Okay. Now, what is God doing? Well, through Christ, who when he was crucified, um, the temple veil was torn into, opening the way to God to all people. It is through Christ, Christ who is the way, the truth, and the life, such that no one comes unto the Father but through Christ. But through Christ, God was opening the way unto himself to all people. And what God was communicating to Peter was, look, man, I'm, I'm changing things here. I am opening the way even to the Gentiles who have faith. That doesn't mean all the Gentiles are saved. It means the Gentiles who turn from their sin and place their faith in Jesus Christ. They will have the opportunity to be saved. And so this is an entire paradigm shift for Peter. He has never understood. You know, there might be an occasional God-fearer who comes in. There might be an occasional, you know— but what God is doing here is he's saying, no, 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 the way is being opened to the world to come to me, to know me, to be in relationship with me through Jesus Christ. 
Yeah, and this is before X15, obviously. It's yeah, X10, that's it's right. Before X15. But uh, for context, that means that they have not decided that Gentiles can be saved and remain as Gentiles within the body of faith of the Messiah. That's that, right. That, you know, at this point, it's only Jews, like you're saying. And, yeah. you know, there, there are certainly God-fearers out there who, you know, worship the God of Israel. But, but what did they do? Yeah. If they were male, if you, if you want to become a Jew, you can. Yeah. But it's going to cost you something. It's yeah. going to cost you circumcision. It's going – I mean, you know um, – we talked about the Ethiopian eunuch, and you know, potentially, we don't know what happened with the Ethiopian eunuch afterwards. We don't know if he went back to Ethiopia and still tried to serve Candace, um, or if he embraced an entire new life, and so he could have given up everything to come and to trust and follow Jesus. So it's just remarkable. Um, the magnitude of Cornelius being saved is hard to overstate. I don't think you can overstate uh, how important that is. Well, and you touched on Cornelius being a God-fearer, and this kind of raises an interesting question because, you know, before Cornelius encountered Christ, he he did believe in God. He believed in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, um, but he was not Jewish. And, you know, we don't know what level of observance he was at, but he he was attached to God in some way. Uh, I was going to originally ask if, if Gentiles you know, could be saved before Christ as God fears. But really that kind of begs the question, like, could Jews be saved before Christ as well? So really the question is like, could anybody be saved before Christ came? That's a really good question. So what happened um, when believers passed away? And I I think we get kind of a a clue in Jesus's parable of the rich man and Lazarus. We, we, we see Jesus refer to destinations after death um, that we don't use these days. So he talks about um, when when Lazarus dies, he goes to Abraham's bosom. Well, you know, I officiate a lot of funerals. I've never said so-and-so <laughs> has gone to Abraham's bosom. I say they've gone to heaven if they're in Christ. In the Old Testament, you hear about Sheol, this realm of the dead. And so this was understood to be the place where the spirits of the dead went to be. Now, I think from Jesus' parable, we can see that there is an Abraham's bosom element to this. There is those who have placed faith in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who obviously is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. But salvation in the Old Testament was through faith in Yahweh, just as salvation in the New Testament is through faith in Yahweh. Well, who is Yahweh? Well, he is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He is the triune God, um, and the second person of the triune God came to earth in the person of Jesus of Nazareth and made the way for all people to be saved. Um, In the Old Testament, salvation was still by faith, But again, that faith compelled them to do something. It compelled them to identify with God through circumcision. It compelled them to follow Torah. It compelled them to eat um, the, the... the foods that God had told them to eat. It compelled them to seek to to follow the the commandments, the 613 commandments, um, such that there were people who were regarded as blameless, but that was not sinless. There was only one who was sinless, and his name is Jesus. Uh, blameless meant that their trajectory of life was Godward. So Noah, for example, who is known as being blameless. No one perfect. 
I mean, there, there's a verse to the song we don't sing uh, about the arky arky and the yeah. you know, go for barky barky. It's where Noah got drunky wonky after it was all <laughs> over, you know? Um, and so uh, Noah wasn't perfect, but he was regarded as blameless because even when he messed up, what did he do? He returned to God. He repented. He, he, he had a life whose trajectory was Godward. And so that's really what blameless would refer to. It's not that he didn't ever sin. No, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There was only one who was sinless, Jesus, who who is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. Um, so, yes, it was possible for people to be saved, but it was different. It was different. Now, from a heavenly perspective, how different was it? You know, I don't know. Uh, there have been people who have postulated certain theories, um, but I think we're going to have to to get to glory to see because the Bible just isn't overwhelmingly clear on that. Would it be right to say that it depends upon the revelation given at the time? So it could be compared to, you know, Moses, he comes, he's, you know, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And like Exodus says, the people believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. Uh, but then, you know, Korah, who is another Levite, leads a rebellion and tries to do his own thing. So it's almost like, you know, the two camps, there's, you know, those who follow Moses are following the true and most current revelation of God. Yeah. Those who follow Korah follow, you know, the God of Israel, but not with the Torah that's been given to them. Right. Something right. like that. Yeah, I think so. And I, I think we have to be careful not to change God's revelation to suit our own needs. So we think about, you know, the Samaritans. Mm. They changed the Torah. <laughs> they, they took out the parts they didn't like. And then mm-hmm. throughout church history, there have been people who have said, yeah, I don't like this part of the Bible. Or they've added to it, you know, things like the Book of Mormon and, and um, things like the Quran. And, and you know, these are, these are new books uh, after the canon has been closed. And so we would say, you know, those are not authoritative, and so we don't we don't follow after those. Yeah, absolutely. And in in my metaphor, the metaphor is the coming of Christ as the Messiah, and then the revelation given through the apostles. Like that's that's exactly that's the right. new revelation that we are you know most up to date and current with. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And 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 so you know, John was very careful careful to say at the end of the book of Revelation, um, don't add to this. Yeah, <laughs> don't don't take away from this, and don't add to this. So. That's where we stand. Yeah. Well, so for today's practical application question, we actually have a listener submitted question. So this, this listener wrote, we know that by the fear of the Lord, one departs from evil. What are some practical scripture-based tips for increasing one's fear of the Lord? How does one increase their fear of the Lord as much as possible, even if there is an immediate punishment to help with that? That's a great question, and I think it comes from someone whose heart um, desires greatly to serve the Lord appropriately and to worship the Lord appropriately. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and um, I heard someone say one time, well, we ought not to fear God um, because of His grace through Jesus Christ, and I think there's some wisdom to that, but I think there's also a corrective there. I think we absolutely need to recognize that God in his vastness is so utterly other than we are. And he is so holy and he is so separate and he is so great and he is so immense 
that sometimes, you know, and, and the way we say it around here is, well, when I get to heaven, I've got some questions for God. <laughs> and I'm sure I've said that myself. And the answer is, no, we are not going to saunter up to God and say, you know what, you owe me some explanations. It's not going to happen. I think uh, for all of us who are in Christ, <laughs> who will be the only ones who are in heaven, right? The ones who are in Christ. Um, I think we will be so overwhelmed by God's holiness and immensity that we will be on our faces before him saying, why would you even let me in? You know, and the only answer is Jesus. Um, so I think the first practical way to grow in our fear of the Lord is to know more about him. And the best way I know to know more about God is to read the Bible mm-hmm. And as I read the Word of God, I see God interacting with human beings, and I see God's vastness in comparison to their smallness. I therefore see God's vastness in comparison to my smallness much more clearly. So, you know, just so many different scenes in Scripture. And you think about the Bible, and and I think the best way I've ever described this, and I'm sure I did not come up with this on my own, but the Bible's like a soap opera. Within its contained whole, there are a bunch of different stories, a bunch of different vignettes, and they're going on over the course of time, but many of them are going on at the same time. And we're seeing God interact with humans and humans interact with God. And and one of the things we see is God is a God of complete grace and mercy, but he is also a God of complete justice. And he will not let sin go unpunished. So uh, we watch some of the ways in which God punished sin. Look to the Old Testament. Somebody asked me the other day, he said, why, why did God allow the Jewish people to slaughter the inhabitants of the land? Um, why, did, why did he give them such great military victories um, in which entire peoples were decimated and things of that nature. Well, the answer is you've got to understand in the Old Testament, the people of Israel as God's chosen people called out and separated out unto himself were an instrument of his judgment against the nations. Now, that's not the case in the New Testament. Things have changed. But when you go back to the Old Testament, God was judging the sin of those nations with his people. And there were plenty of times in the Old Testament when God judged Israel's sin, and it was not pretty. You know, God is completely just. You know, we cry out today, I want justice. No, we all want mercy. Now, I want justice when it pertains to you, but I want mercy when it pertains to me. So, in the Old Testament, Israel was was God's, was one of God's um, means of carrying out his righteous wrath upon those who turned away from him. When I come into the New Testament, if I want to see the wrath of God and his justice on display, the best place I can look is the cross, because that was God's wrath being poured out on Christ for me. So if you go and you look at the cross, or if you go and you watch the passion of the Christ, that's not a perfect, you know, adaptation of the the telling of the crucifixion, but it shows it with more clarity and candor than ever it had been shown before. And as you watch the passion, you think that ought to be me enduring what Jesus is going through. 
J.I. Packer said, if you want to see what the wrath of God looks like, look no further than the cross. Because what was condensed into six hours on a Friday was the wrath of God poured out for sin upon his son. And it wasn't just the physical pain. It was the emotional abandonment. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? My goodness. So the wrath of God is very real. The wrath of God is very righteous. Uh, The judge of the earth will do right. And so no one will be able to argue with his judgment. You know, and it's just, it is what it is. Uh, That's why I tremble when I hear people today say, only God can judge me. Well, you're right. And he will. Um, so I think that we need to understand, and, and I've prayed this prayer many times, God, if were it not for your grace, you would just be done with me right now. I mean, if God were to stop sustaining me, I would stop living. If God were to stop causing my heart to beat, I would stop living. Or my breaths, my, my breaths to be enabled, or my lungs to be able to take in a breath, I would stop existing, I, you know. God is sustaining me. He's holding me up. He's providing for me. And he's doing all of those things in a way in which I'm hardly even conscious of them. I'm, not, I'm hardly conscious of the fact that my heart is breathing. I'm hardly conscious of the fact that I'm breathing. I'm, I'm hardly conscious of the fact that, that my nerves are carrying signals from my brain to cause things to happen in my body right now. You know, And God's doing all of those things. So I think one of the things we see in Scripture is God's immensity. Mm-hmm. And God's righteous judgment of sin. And then we look at our own lives and say, wow, God, God, you should have wiped me out a long time ago. But God in his forbearance, in his love, hasn't. And so that causes me to magnify Christ. So, so I would just say this, read God's word, be honest with God in prayer. You know, when I confess my sin, it's a reminder to me, God should be done with me. God should completely wipe me out. And sometimes when I get too big for my britches, which is a way we say here in South Central Kentucky, is I think more highly of myself than I ought. Um, it's It's a good reminder that I must humble myself before the Lord. He will lift me up, but there's no reason for him to lift me up. He ought to crush me, but he hasn't. And through Christ, whom he crushed for my sake, and if you don't believe me, go to Isaiah 53. Through Christ, I have received the mercy of God, and anyone who comes to Christ can receive the mercy of God. Amen. That was a really great listener question. Listeners, if if you have a question like that, just go to the link in the show notes or comment on the post below. We love answering your questions on the podcast. Yes, we do. We we try to answer as many as we can because they're, they're really good questions. Jeff, can you pray us out for today? Let's pray. Lord, you are God, and we are not, and we worship you. And Lord, we recognize <laughs> we recognize that you ought to have wiped us out long ago. Frankly, Lord, I look at the Bible and I get to Genesis chapter 3, and I think if I were God, I probably would have just been done at that point, but, but not you. And Lord, in your loving kindness and your forbearance and your patience, you, you have endured us. And you have sent your own son to make the way for us to be with you. And Lord, our finite minds can't comprehend that, but we are grateful for it. And so Lord, help us to magnify you in our lives. Help us to worship you, not only with our lips, but also in the way that we live. And Lord, help us to 
constantly humble ourselves before you, recognizing that you will lift us up. We are so thankful for your grace and for your mercy given to us through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who died on the cross to pay in full the debt of our sin and who rose again from the grave and who lives today. We look to Jesus. We trust and follow Jesus. And we pray that the world would be a better place as a result. We ask these things trusting you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to our channel. To submit a question about Sunday's sermon, the Bible, or walking with Jesus, click the link in the episode description. Our hosts today are Pastor Jeff Reynolds and myself, Jordan Upton. Our engineer is Elliot Beckley, and our editors are Chadwick Walden and Fu Ying Engdahl.